describe this one? Love you, little bro. Love you too, bro. I could give a about North Carolina right now. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. The I Heart Duke Basketball Fan Podcast. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. It is fucking Duke UNC week. I am jacked up. Jack, speaking of absolute hatred, I was watching that Louisville UNC game last night. And I don't think that it's healthy to have the level of hate and despise for another human being the AC has for Armando Baycott. But Jack, after watching that second half in overtime last night, I think he may ha- he may be on to something. Now you see. Imagine if Baycott did that stuff in a slightly darker shade of blue. Right? Right? Uh, AC, uh, that's a good point. Uh, AC, I don't want to hear another fucking thing about Grayson <laughs> Allen. I've already dropped three F-bombs. You- you know it's UNC week when, when TK starts, you know, getting all the uh, all the F-bombs out of his system this early on in the podcast. But I don't want to hear another thing about Grayson Allen tripping people when you got Armando Baycott not only tripping players, but arm barring them and flopping around and flailing. Oh, super flop? Oh, dude, I'm, I've seen the super flop in action before. A kid probably, probably seven inches shorter and 100 pounds lighter than him somehow threw him to the ground and made him cry. It was great. So, yeah, no, I've seen, I have seen this all before. This is just deja vu for me, man. As you would like to say, to steal the, TK's favorite phrase, is a uh, little baby back bitch. He is a little baby back bitch. I can't stand him. Uh, and we're going to get to all of that, Jack, but I want to start off with uh, AC. Tomorrow, big day tomorrow. It's not the UNC game, but we have a uh, special birthday. Is that right? I, I heard that there is a birthday in the five-point play crew. I believe it is uh, one Jack. So happy birthday, uh, Jack. Right, right, Jack. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, all I, want um, is a, all I want is a win over UNC. You and I both. So um, all right, so let's get a little couple housekeeping items out of the way here. We did get a couple big wins uh, over Louisville on Saturday and then Notre Dame on Monday. You know, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because we got bigger uh, issues here uh, with Carolina coming up. So we're going to spend a lot of time on that. But Jack, what did you what did you see Saturday? What did you see Monday against Notre Dame that you liked, didn't like any concerns? I didn't like the way the team really let up off the gas on Saturday. But then toward the end, obviously something clicked and you know, we saw how how the team finished. That was an incredible closeout to a game that was way closer the entire way after about the under 12 first half media timeout um and you know ending up winning by nine when it was tied 60 to 60 not super far before that final buzzer that was that team showing how much fight they have i'm sorry for cutting you off tk but it it was incredible yeah i agree and and ac i know you want to talk about the defense specifically that you Mm -hmm. saw especially on monday night yeah and again like jack said that that was a lot of that i think was spurred by that the last five minute stretch against Louisville. I think that's, if, if we're going to look back at anything so far that we've had this season, we're going to look back at anything and say, this is the moment that this team became what it is. They might be at the end of the season or whatever. I think we're going to look at that five minutes from Louisville. I think that's going to be the, the bookmark, but defensively against Notre Dame, it was, a, it was a great game plan. Number one. And 
it was a, just a great effort by the guys to really create that turmoil for Notre Dame because they're a one-trick pony. If they're hitting threes, then they're super dangerous. If you keep them off the line, then there's really not a lot they can do. And you could tell they were not comfortable taking those twos. They weren't comfortable taking layups, man. That's 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 really how much that team relies on that three-point ball. So it was great to see our defense do what they did. And great to have Trevor back. Yeah, and, and I think another thing, uh, AC, keeping it with you here, is that Duke can play a lot of different ways and still get the W. You know, you yeah, saw we, them play, you know, they saw, you saw them play uh, a certain type of way against Louisville, a completely different way against Notre Dame. Both effective, both got it done, not always pretty, but, you know, different guys stepped up when they needed. I want to give a shout out to Theo John because, honestly, you know, the chippier that game got on Saturday against Louisville, the kind of bigger he became, pause, that he, he was just that guy that you, you kind of want to see that Saturday, if we want to be honest. We want to see that, you know, but against your baby back bitch boy, Armando Pitcock. <laughs> I mean, I want Theo John, no Photoshop required to get up in there, pause, and, and just push him around. But, you know, just talk about the different ways you can play. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Number one, we've seen now that we can play against the zone. We've seen that we can play against, we can play a physical type of game because we've had a couple of those now. We lost a couple of them, but now we've had a couple wins. In some of those physical type games, we can play an up and down transition type game. You saw that against Gonzaga. We can play a slowdown game. You saw it against Notre Dame, where if we aren't hitting our shots, we can still rely on our defense to help pull out the win. So this is this team can play any style. Literally, we can play any style. We have we have post players who can score down low efficiently. We have guys from the outside who can shoot the three. We have guys who can get out in transition. We're athletic enough. Like yeah, that's this is a team that regardless of what style you want to throw at us, we're going to be able going to be able to handle it. And I guess the last one we really need to see is, is pack line, even though nobody really plays pack line defense, but we'll see that against UBA coming up. So um, I, I love this team. I love the style of ball we play and really truly we hold our own destiny. Like if we come out and play focused and, and play and make those winning plays, we will win every game we're in or, and, you know, or at least go on enough of a streak to say that be comfortable to say we can win six in a row to win a title. But yeah, I, I love the, the makeup of the team. You couldn't say that about a lot of the teams in the past decade or so. Yeah, and Jack, I just want to talk about A.J. Griffin for a little bit here because, you know, Saturday he was the reason we won that game. And then on Monday night, you know, while the points weren't there, he, he had 13 points. Um, he, it was just so efficient. And I loved he's getting more and more comfortable driving to the, to the rim, mixing it up down low, uh, especially on defense. It's just kind of like one of those things, the more and more you see him, the more confidence he, he continues to, to generate. He is a dangerous, dangerous player. We kept saying it toward the end of January, beginning of February. Well, he, he's already ahead of that timeline. They, this guy is just starting to become, you, you can't take him off the floor. Oh, definitely not. I mean, of, of all people, John Rothstein is the one who made this incredible observation AJ Griffin is is showing up around the same time Justice Winslow did yeah. uh, for Duke in 2015, and obviously, you know that team went on to win the championship, and he was a critical piece of that. He was a critical piece against Carolina, um, and just generally, that's that guy, that guy who just steps up. We've had one every time that Duke's won a championship. Zubek, my favorite player ever. Shout mm-hmm. out to Zubes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had Zub. We've had Duhan stepped up as a freshman, became a starter in 2001. Yep. And honestly, kind of going into that, I think that game on Monday was like a switch flip. And this is a team that 
did not let up at all, even with a big lead. And uh, around late January, early February, January 31st specifically, it's when that usually happens for those championship teams. Look at mm-hmm. the uh, look at the 2015 Duke team, January 31st, 2015, the game against Virginia that we all remember, Tyus Jones becoming mm-hmm. Tyus Stones. January 31st this year, that defensive masterpiece against Notre Dame, letting up the fewest points Notre Dame's ever scored in the shot clock era, and, you know, not letting up. I think yeah. that could be what drives this team to win number six. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And, uh, look, this team has a lot of different ways that they can get it done, but they pretty much, you see, they got two stars now. They have two stars that we're going to have to ride the entire way the rest of the, the, rest of the season and into the postseason. Unless, unless somebody else steps up, unless uh, Wendell, uh, God love him, but he's, just, he's not the same player. Uh, unless somebody else steps up and is a consistent force, uh, it's 1A and 1B for me with, with Paolo and, and Asia. I also think we got three, man. I think, I think Mark is as much of an MVP for the team as those two. Okay. Defensively, the way he just created havoc in both games against Louisville and Notre Dame, Notre Dame was the type of game earlier this season and, and, and last season for sure, he would have been game planned out. This game in particular, not at all. Like, the only reason he really sat was because he, he had those couple early fouls. Like, Mark, at this point, in my opinion, Mark is equally as indispensable as those two. Like, what he does for us down low, there's nothing like him in the country. No one else, I don't care. We can have your Walker Kesslers and whoever else, Zach Eady or whoever from, from Purdue. You can have all those guys. There's nothing like Mark Williams out there, the way he runs the floor, the way he alters shots, as aggressive as he is. And now he's rebounding too. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, man, like that. And, and then you have the off- offensively, you have that three, two-man game with him and Jeremy that really has opened a lot of things up for Paulo and AJ. Like, you can't double off on those guys because you have that legitimate third option. And and that just makes that just takes so much pressure off of Wendell and Trevor as well. That they can kind of just do their thing and really kind of not worry about having to play with you know with consequences. Like they play kind of consequence free, which I really love to see. Did you see real quick? Either one of you guys can take this one. Trevor Keels. Did you see any issues with him both physically and kind of assimilating right back into the lineup? Early on, when he first came in, you could kind of see it. He was running. He was kind of running on his heel, limping around a little bit that type of thing. But once he got loose, I, I feel like that was like a tightness thing. Cause once he got loose, he was good. He was moving well. He was, he was getting, he was getting tip passes and things on the defensive side of the ball. He was moving around well on defense versus early on when he wasn't right off the bat. So I, I think it, it looked more like a, like a tightness and needed to get loosened up type of thing more so than there's still some kind of structural damage or anything else. Yeah. I also, um, I mean, yeah, again, he did look a little tight at the beginning, but once he got into the swimming of things, Trevor was Trevor. Obviously, he wasn't there to get the three-pointer to open the scoring like he normally is, but he was the same guy he was before, maybe a little bit rough on the scoring. He's going to need to get back into game, like 100% into game shape, but Trevor looked good, and Trevor, mm-hmm. Trevor's Trevor. I'm yeah. very grateful that we have that guy. And yeah, the one, uh, thing, one thing, sorry, to get one thing I, I did notice, too, is just uh, no coincidence Trevor's first game back, played a lot of minutes, and Jeremy seemed off balance, off kilter a little bit this game. Like, this is probably his worst game of the season. Whether that was because of Notre Dame or whether that was because of Trevor's back, being back, I'm not sure. He still finished with three assists, one turnover. Like, this turnover and everything else was still fine on, for Jeremy, but he made some really, really kind of bonehead plays and seemed like he was forcing things a little bit, and I don't yeah. know if that was because Trevor was back 
or if that was just, again, just a bad game for him. We'll, we'll see going into Carolina in the next couple. They're going to have some more practice time together now. So we'll see, you know, now that Jeremy kind of was our full-time facilitator, Trevor came back, he was starting to facilitate, and it looked like that Spider-Man meme where they're, like, both pointing at each other. It's like they're just <laughs> throwing the ball back and forth to each other. Like, nobody wanted to actually score so for a second. For it. So I was like, all right, we got to figure that out. But once we get that kind of figured out and ironed out, that, that shouldn't be hard to fix. They, they play basketball together for five years. They know how to handle each other. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we'll be just fine there. Obviously, not the best game for for Jeremy, but you know he wasn't the only one on Monday night. Whether that was a quick turnaround, who knows? Um, we're going to need everybody all hands on deck on Saturday. Let's talk a little report card though before we really dive into the UNC stuff. This is kind of all related. A little report card. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're pretty much halfway through halfway through the season, so I want to do a little report card here. And AC, let's start with. You've already touched on it a decent amount. What would you give overall this point in the season, the defense of team for Duke? Uh, team defense, I'm going to give us a B plus just because we still need to iron out the defensive rebounding a little bit. We allowed Notre Dame, one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country, to still get 11 offensive boards, which is one of the highest that they've had all season. We can't keep letting that happen. So the defensive rebounding aspect of it needs to still needs to step up. But I, right now we're, we're a B plus boarding on an A, like this team defensively can handle any team that we've seen that. So it's just that some of that off ball cutting action and things we've still got to cut back on. Jack, where do you, uh, where do you grade them? Honestly, I was going to say B plus or a minus kind of that like gray area between the two, because again, team has been incredible defensively but the the defensive rebounding has been an issue I think it's an issue that can easily be fixed I think it's an issue that will be fixed especially come tournament time but I I sincerely feel that this is a team that can match up with any team in the country and beat them any given night just as long as you clean up the glass yeah, I, so I'm a little bit lower than you guys. I have us on a B. Uh, the same issues that you guys mentioned, obviously, I'm, I'm concerned about. But the other thing uh, for me, and, and it kind of it, it really irritated me watching a lot of that Louisville game, where you know who the hot shooter is, right? And, and whether that was Ellis, um, you know, he, he got hot there, especially in the second half. But there were multiple mm-hmm. times in that game where you know who the hot shooter is and you're wilding off him anyway. And, you know, or pointing at each other or the, the famous hand down, man down. Like, it's just one of those things where you got to be you got to be with it mentally, defensively, especially when you're playing a team that is shooting well. And at that particular point in the game, they were shooting well. So I think just a little bit more awareness, a little bit more attention to detail. And, and then I can get up to that B plus uh, A minus range. But, yeah, obviously the, the defensive rebounds are, are something that we – continue to harp on. So there's that. Um, let's just flip it on to the other side of the court, though, AC, with the uh, the offensive identity of this team still evolving. Where do you see it now? Where did you see it at the beginning of the year? Where do you grade us? Uh, to start the year, we were, you know, very much relying on ISO play and, and guys making individual plays. Back then, you probably put us at a B, B plus because we were still very efficient with it. Obviously, teams are going to make adjustments. We have to make adjustments, and I think we have. The biggest adjustment being the creation of a facilitator, meaning it's Jeremy Roach, whether it's Jeremy or Trevor, whoever's going to facilitate. So that's that's helped this team out big time. Offensively, we're super, super efficient down low. So I think we've improved up to that B plus, A minus range again with on the offensive side. I'd even put us at 
a, I'm comfortable saying a, a minus firmly with, with a chance to be an A if we can improve the free throw shooting that has kind of taken a dive during ACC play and continues that improved three-point shooting. Because when Trevor came back, our, our number took a big dip because he's still working his way back in and still a little inefficient from three. Yeah, 8 of 18 against Louisville is not going to get it done from the line. Um, you know, offensively, I think at times we're excellent. And I, at times we, we move the ball very, very well. And so I like to see us continue that. But there are other times where we get caught a little bit of ball watching, a little bit too much pounding the ball. And then we just get these, you know, brain farts where we make some of the dumbest turnovers I've ever seen. Um, Jack, where do you have us? Because I have us pretty much at that B, B plus range right now. Yeah, I was going to say a B. Uh, personally, that's how I feel. You know, again, sometimes this team shows that they are the best team in the country with the ball uh, in their hands. Other times, it is very visible that there is one person who has been in college for more than two years that gets consistent minutes. So, or two people, I guess. Pardon me, I forgot that Joey was still getting consistent minutes. <laughs> oh, old habits. old habits. I love Joey too. Everyone knows it. I got my Joey Buckets jersey right behind me. But still, you got one guy in the starting lineup and one guy off the bench who have been at Duke for more than two seasons, including mm-hmm. this one. And that that shows sometimes. So, you yeah. know, bonehead I- turnovers, bad shots. Yeah, I mean, and you can't really give us an A when we've only scored over 80 points once in the last 10 games. So there, there's that. Been we, that little? Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, we got we to gotta kind of pick that up, and there's no better time to do it than Splash. against North Carolina. So that was the quick report card. I don't really want to talk about anything else. I need to get to Carolina, AC. I, I can't do it <laughs> Let's anymore. Let's do it, man. Let's I, I stole. <laughs> I played enough four corners, stole ball to get to this point. I hate North Carolina. I hate them. We got destroyed twice last year. The last time we played them, we got destroyed 91 to 73. We don't need to talk about it. I I, I don't want to talk about it, but I have to be honest with my listeners. That's what I got to do, Jack. Mm -hmm, And so here's the thing. I want to to talk about this game. Um, I want to try to be as even keel as I possibly can. So I'm going to let you talk. I want you to talk about this game in general. What do you see happening? Well, number one, the thing I don't see happening from a repeat from last season is allowing Carolina to go 10 for 15 from three and then back again with another 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 brilliant effort where we, we allowed eight for 18 from three from a team on the season at that point in time that was shooting 32% from the uh, from three-point line. And don't, get don't get me started. Don't get me started on a Caleb Love. Don't get oh me started. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I can't. Dude. So on the timeline on Twitter, I put out the video of Jordan and Pippen talking about how they went at Tony Kukoc, and that's going to be that's going to be Roach and, and Trevor this year, man. I'm telling you, I'm calling it now. I, I guarantee Trevor's going to be begging K for that assignment, whether he starts or not. He's going to beg K for that assignment to have Caleb Love, and Jeremy's going to want it too. Jeremy's been he's been chippy this season. Like his attitude has changed dramatically this season from what it was last year, and those two are going to want, and it, they're, they're going to want all the smoke when it comes to Caleb Love. Because last year, I remember people telling telling us up here that uh, that Trevor was watching the game at home, just furious because he wanted he, he couldn't take what was happening to Jeremy, and then the trash talk that was happening afterwards with Caleb Love online and stuff. So they're going to be coming at him, man. Like if this is going to be this is going to be so much fun, especially the down low, like the interior matchup with Mark and Theo and Baycott. Like he's he's going to be pulling those tricks a little bit against those guys too. So they got to yeah. be smart. Like we got to stay out of foul trouble because clearly he's not going to get called for anything. 
uh, not at the same referees are are doing the uh, the Louisville game uh, on Tuesday yeah. night. So, uh, yeah, Jack, let's talk about. Uh, he talked about a couple of the matchups here, but what do you see happening down with the front court? Because that's really, I mean, I want to see Mark dominate this matchup with your boy Armando Baycott. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to see it. Obviously, Baycott, a very good interior finisher this year. And uh, according to Hubert Davis, he's the ACC player of the year. I would love to have whatever Hubert's on personally. But, (laughs) um, you know, Baycott versus Mark is going to be a great matchup. Baycott's a little bit wider framed than Mark, but Mark has the height and the wingspan advantage. And um, I think think Mark's going to need to assert himself. He's really going to need to be super physical and able to take a little bit of contact down low. Um, Nice little thing that I've noticed doing some – Looking through the stats Carolina has, Baycott, 24 for 65 on jump shots inside the three-point line. So Make him shoot. Make him shoot. At the whole Carolina team, you got to make yeah. shoot. Caleb Love, 26.8% on two-point jumpers. Brady Manick, 25%. RJ Davis is the only one that gets consistent play time that's shooting above 35, or excuse me, above 37% on two-point jump shots. RJ Davis is the only person I'm truly worried about on this team, if I'm being honest. But also, let's go back to Manic a little bit. Paulo, that's that's a matchup I'm really intrigued by because, uh, at least if your name's Mike Schmitz, Paulo's not the best defender in the world. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Schmitz or Mike Schmitz, excuse me. I'm from Philly. I can't remember a guy named. Oh, Aren't you from Philly? I don't want to. I don't want to associate him with the name. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, Brady yeah, Manic. Brady Manick is 47 for 60 within three feet of the rim. He has missed 13 shots this season inside the restricted area. That being said, he has made nine shots inside the two-point arc, but outside the restrict or inside the three-point arc, but outside the restricted area. He's a pretty similar shooter percentage-wise to Caleb Love on threes. He's shooting about 39% on threes. Love's at 43%, but they've taken Manic's taken a few more and made three less. That's going to be a matchup. You got to prevent the three and give him a two point jumper. He's not going to make that many of them. Statistically speaking, he's he's he might make a few more than his average. If you give him ten two point jumpers, he'll make two or three of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly, I don't, I don't know if you guys even watched that game last night, but Manic was pretty much the reason that Carolina won that game in the second half. Um, You know, so if you, yeah, like you said, Jack, if you give him that shot outside, he'll hit a couple. Um, so Paulo really, he, he's going to dominate that matchup. I mean, oh, there's no just, just no excuse. I don't know who else Carolina can throw at Paulo. I mean, I know, I know Mickey Black's not going to try to cover him. Uh, so, <laughs> defender of the year, man. That's defender of the yeah, year. So, oh, know, yeah, yeah, definitely not Mark. <laughs> so, you know, AC, where, where do you see, uh, you talked about the backcourt. You talked about, mm-hmm. um, obviously, we just talked about, you know, Mark uh, and, and Theo. Uh, against your baby back bitch boy Armando Pitt. <laughs> uh but look, what let's what are the X factors do you see here? You know, Duke hasn't shot well. Um what is our shooting something that we gotta be concerned about going into the, the Smith Center? No, not concerned because UNC is is a team that defensively allows teams to shoot around thirty four percent from three. So that, and that's on average and, and their schedule hasn't been the most taxing. So Against teams that are not that you would look at in that quad one, UNC is closer to that forty percent range when when allowing three point shots. So they're still defensively just like always. They're still a team that's going to allow you to score. Like they're 
they are not the world's greatest defensive team. So our backcourt is going to be able to, I think, have a field day with this with this team if, as long as we're taking good and efficient shots. If we have figured out how we're going to move the ball, who's going to get shots where, and we're in that good rhythm, they have a whole week of practice this week to get that right. So if we can go into the Smith Center with with that type of mindset that offensively our guards can really help negate anything that they do on the other side on the interior then that's going to be a big deal because they're they're very weak in in terms of their depth on in the guard position they really only have Kerwin Walton now that Anthony Harris is gone and he wasn't really contributing much anyway so this is we have the we strangely enough we have the advantage when it comes to depth and that's on the on the perimeter here so really it's our big guys have to have a smart game I know we've been getting the big block shots and stuff lately the past couple, but this is Carolina. You know the whistles are going to go the yeah. way they're going to go, and it's going to be a tightly called game at times, and then at times they're going to let it go loose. So our big guys have to be smart about standing straight up, hands straight up in the air, not necessarily going for every single block, just offering the shots and then getting on the boards. Because once again, this is a really good rebounding team, as Carolina always is, and rebounding has kind of been our Achilles heel. Yeah. All right. So, Jack, let's talk about real quick the 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 elephant in the room. We got destroyed last year. It was just an odd year, but particularly in Chapel Hill, we shot five of twenty-seven from three. We got destroyed. We just got crushed. It was one of the ugliest teams I've ever had to watch in this in the history uh, of this series. Do you see through coming in with this huge ship on the shoulder that AC talked about earlier? Well, yes, definitely. I mean, think about the guys that are coming back that were that were at that game last year. You got Mark Williams, who was starting to come into his own just to get, you know, attacked by Baycott. And Matt Hurt not providing any help defensively because as much as I love Matthew Hurt, he couldn't play a lick of defense in college. You got you got guys like Jeremy. Jeremy got straight up just attacked by Caleb Love over like they were chirping, social media, trash talk, everything, everything. Caleb Love grew up a Duke fan, wanted to play for Duke. Jeremy just happened to commit first. Yep. Caleb Love took it personal, and now Jeremy Roach needs to do the same and needs to go right back at Caleb Love and prove he needs to prove it. Trev needs to prove that he can back up his friend and teammate. I'm, I'm sure he will. Then you got Paulo, who was watching the game from his couch, obviously, and said don't worry next year we got him you got Wendell who in his two years his two games at the Dean Dome obviously that buzzer beater but you got to remember Duke was down something like 18 at one point in that game yeah Duke has not fared well obviously Trey took to put the team on his back but Wendell has not played competitive games with Carolina per se in his two attempts there he wants to he wants to come out on top I'm sure not, of that. not to mention too, Wendell's had two vastly different experiences against Carolina. This is very true. This is very true. From a game-winning shot to essentially a chance to tie the game up for us in the what was it, the first meeting where he threw the ball away on yeah. the basket. Like, yeah. Was, oh and, gosh, and, 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 I forgot and, and, about and that. AC, AC, like we saw, we saw you know shades of that yep. a couple of games ago. Yep, we saw it with that Florida State game. We saw it. We called it out before in the, uh, the white game. At the end of the half, he's done it a few times too. Like that was, you know, that was a part of the. You know, we talked about that. Let it get him off the ball. I think we proved that a little bit with that Clemson game where Paulo was the one that took over. Even Louisville down the stretch, Paulo was the one with the ball. So 
I think we're we're past that for now. But Wendell's going to have some of those thoughts on his mind about the past couple of seasons playing against UNC. So I think he's going to want to have a good game. Yeah, and I think here's the thing that I'm a little bit concerned about, AC, is that you have all these you know skeletons in the closet, both for Jeremy, both for Wendell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though Mark played well statistically, had 18 points in the last uh, meeting against Carolina. You know, he only had three rebounds. He had four mm-hmm. fouls. Uh, you know, are these guys going to be thinking about that at all? Are they going to be pressing too much to a point where you get into these library games, you start pressing a little bit, and, and you just kind of get too – you let the emotions get too big uh, for you to, to, to be able to play the basketball that you're capable and know that you can to be effective. Because on, yeah, on paper, we should blow these teams right. team off. No, you, you might – honestly, you might see that early. You might see it early where – because we we don't we don't have the luxury of being able to say oh we got this game we're gonna take a take a light on them like some of the Carolina teams used to do to us in the past in those early in those two thousand late two thousands or whatever when Greg Paulus was leading the helm the, those Carolina teams kind of let off the gas a little bit I don't think we had the luxury to do that with this team particularly how we played throughout this season and how we played against Carolina the past couple I, but I do think you're right I think there's gonna be a little bit of an anxiety there where they're gonna try they want to try to make plays early on and it's it possibly could get them into trouble depending on how, how tight the game plan is. So that's the, the game plan is going to be a really important thing for these guys to follow. If the, the coaches are going to put a good scout together against UNC, and if they can, if the guys can follow that game plan, then I don't see us going down by 18 at any point. You know what I mean? So we, we shouldn't uh, put it that way. No, we absolutely shouldn't. Uh, I think if we see a couple shots go down early, if we put the clamps down on, on them and get out on the perimeter and, and you know, if we block – that baby back bitch a couple times early, get inside his head a little bit. You know he'll back down. You know, especially when he sees Theo checking in after that mm-hmm. sixteen minute uh, timeout, TV timeout. He's gonna be he's gonna be asking me something out. You just know that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So overall, we'll get to our predictions in a little bit. But Jack, I know that you have a number of Duke Carolina games. You know, in this special edition of this week in Duke history. Talk to us a little bit about a couple of these uh, historical Duke Carolina games. And let me just tell you right now, I know your birthday is tomorrow, but if you pick any of these games that Duke lost, uh, I don't think that you're going to be invited back on the podcast. All right, go ahead, buddy. Don't worry. I, I picked nothing that, that was a loss at all. So not even the double OT game from 95. Uh, all right. So let's start with a little bit of a look at some games from this week in Duke history that are all Carolina matchups. And then we'll look at some other first matchups of the season against Carolina. So let's go take it all the way back to 1952, February 1st, 1952, Duke Carolina at Woolen Gym, Duke 73, UNC 66. Duke had two guys scoring double figures in this game where they put up 73 points. Dick Grote, who made 10 shots, he had 27 total points. Rudy D'Amelio had 25 points, also made 10 shots. Incredible showing from those two guys. Grote, obviously, National Player of the Year in two sports that year. First and for a long time only guy to have his number in the rafters Mm -hmm. at Cameron. Great game. Big win. We'll go to February 3rd, 2000. Number three, Duke, goes into the Dean Dome against an unranked UNC team. Wins in overtime, 90 to 86. Batty A missed one shot that game. He shot eight for nine. He had 25 points, 10 rebounds. He had a block. He had two steals. But the guy that everyone remembers from that game, Chris Carrawell, he had 23, six rebounds, five assists. He had two steals. 
incredible, incredible game for him. Booze added 15, seven rebounds and two steals. Jay will the other freshman superstar that, that on that team alongside booze and Dunleavy had 12, six dimes and three steals as well. And I happened to be born during that game. So I was born during Destin. that game against Carolina. Destin. Very important game, special place in my heart for it. <laughs> Obviously, I don't remember the game, but I have watched it many times, and it's always a fun watch, even if Duke did blow a pretty big lead in the second half, because that yeah. overtime was something. We'll yeah. bring it. We're going to go now February 4th, all the way back 1961. We're going back 61 years from today, or from, I guess, Friday. Number four, Duke. Number five, UNC at Duke Indoor Stadium, as, as it was called at the time. Game got called a little bit early with the final score being Duke 81, Carolina 77. Because of Why a, was that, Jeff? Uh, well, there was this guy on Carolina. You probably heard of him. He's a Hall of Fame coach. His name's Larry Brown. He was Oosh. a player at that point. Yep. And uh, he was supposed to room with a guy at UNC who decided he didn't want to go to UNC and went to Duke instead. That guy, you may have heard of him, Art Heyman. Yep. Genius. Art Heyman put up 36 points and eight rebounds in that game. Larry Brown put up eight points on 10 shots, if I recall correctly. And Art Heyman fouled him toward the end of the game. Larry Brown, while no one was looking, there's video of this that was recently, recently being like the late 80s, that was (laughs) uncovered, shows Larry Brown swing at Art Heyman first, ended up breaking his nose. Big fight breaks out. Game gets called early. Duke gets the win, obviously, 81-77. That's the reason the rivalry is as tough it is as it is today. And because everyone thought Heyman started the fight, he got suspended through the ACC tournament. So he missed the entire rest of his sophomore season. Yep. Duke didn't make the tournament without their best player. Not to mention Art Heyman's number didn't get retired at Duke until 1990 yep. because everyone thought he started the fight. Larry Brown screwed this guy so, so badly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he has uh, many, many individuals later on in his, uh, in his career. <laughs> oh, so, you're certainly correct. You're yes, certainly yes. correct. Shout yeah. out to Darko Milicic. Inclu- yeah, well, that, yeah, that and plus the uh, United States uh, men's national team. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's a reason that they took the reins away from a Carolina guy and gave him to a Duke guy. <laughs> yeah, tell him, Jack. Tell him. We'll bring it, we'll bring we'll it to February Carolina. 5th now. February 5th, 04. That is going to be 18 years to the day when we play Carolina this year. Duke, Caroline, number one, Duke, number 17, UNC, also at the Dean Dome. Overtime win for Duke, 83-81. Sheldon Williams had 22, 12 boards, five blocks. Daniel Ewing, 19, and three steals. Rule Dang, 17, 12 boards, five dimes. JJ had 14 and four assists. And Chris Duhon, he had six assists. He had nine points. But what everyone remembers is that game-winning little scoop layup with seven seconds left in it. That was so awesome. That was so amazing. What a game. Great game. Incredible. And then we'll go February 8th. A couple of really special games happen on February 8th. We'll go 2012 and 2020. A couple of buzzer beaters, one by a guy named Austin Rivers, who had 29 total points in that game. And then two on February 8th, 2020. Number zero. Sub-zero. Sub-zero. And then we'll go 2020 on the same day, February 8th. A couple of buzzer beaters, one by a man who, uh, who wanted to emulate his brother, Mr. Stones, and take over a Carolina game. That would be Trey. He had 28 oh, points in that game, including the buzzer beater after the intentional missed free throw. Send it to OTT. Duke was down big in that game like we talked about what? earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh, impossible. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I was gonna say I think, I think you, you and I were texting there in that game. I was so heated. Yeah. I, I, I had written that game off 
Uh, I was going to go uh, meet a couple of my buddies and, you know, just forget about it. And I had already put my, my gear on. I'd already taken off the jersey. You know, the, the, the game was over. And I, I was like halfway between my door and the TV. And I stood there for the next, I would say, 38 minutes. I refused <laughs> to move from that spot. And I mean, it, it, you know, the, the rest of the night will keep under wraps. But I want to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> that was a wild night, boys. I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you, Trey Jones. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Trey. There, More yeah, importantly, I, thank you, Wendell. Absolutely. I, I, put, uh, I put 100 on, uh, on Duke at the half in-game bet. To win that game, wow. dude, that was a nice payout. That's a <laughs> we were payout. down big. We were on like we were 12 down or 13 and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. Like and it was just one of those situations. We always talk about it. You know, you can't, can't just, you can't take any lead for granted in this rivalry. Oh, so man. I was like, let me, wow. let me do this. Let me, let me, like just like Joey Baker, we're doing this right now. Right now, that's, that's I what I did. <laughs> my roommate uh, that year was a huge Duke fan. He's from Durham. Shout out, shout out, my guy Paul, if you're listening. But he straight up told me. Uh, with like 12 minutes left in the game. He's like, it's February 8th. Remember February 8th, 2012, Austin Rivers? <laughs> right now we're doing this. Duke's going to come back. Buzzer beater, OT, maybe a buzzer beater to win. Let's go. And he actually pointed out to me at the start of OT, he said if Trey had hit a three and seven, two, it would have been 85, 84, same score. Mm-hmm. Duke, obviously, like I said, 98, 96 overtime win after Wendell's put back at the buzzer. Insane, just game. insane ending both to both halves, uh, the overtime and the regular uh, regulation time. Because Trey, to, for Trey to be able to hit that, the rim the way he did and get the ball to bounce off, and for us, oh, to that get was all Shire out. after the 2010 championship. Jesus. Yeah, dude, that was insane, man. Shire knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, now, that's, why, that's why he's the chosen one. Yes, exactly. Now I will say that's all for this week in Duke history. However, I do have a few more first games I would like to brush over really quick. Knock them out. We're going to go back to 97, January 28th, Duke versus Carolina. Duke coming in, or Carolina coming into Cameron, number 12, Duke, number 19, UNC. Duke winning 80 to 73 behind 28 from Trajan Langdon. Five oh, steals from Wojo. Oh, my God. Now, here's the thing that was Duke's first win over Carolina since 1993. Oof. Yeah, the drought. <laughs> the drought. We had a rough stretch yeah. there, Jack. A little rough. A little rough. A little rough. You've had it pretty good. I think we were, <laughs> I think we're up like 12 games since 99. Yeah, yeah. You know, 32 true. to 20 or something like that. So it's you've incredible. had a pretty good run. I've had a pretty good lifetime in Duke, yeah. Carolina. And then we'll go February 18th, 2015. Number four, Duke. Number 15, Carolina and Cameron. 92-90 win for the Devils in overtime behind the guy who I was talking about earlier, Tyus Jones. Man won't take a remote with 22.7 boards and eight assists. 22 also from Quinn, 16 from Justice. Okafor had 12 and 13 boards. Emil had six blocks. Bring it to the next year, February 17th, 2016. Number 20, Duke 74. Number 5, UNC 73. 23 from Grayson. 2010, four assists, two blocks and a steal for uh, BI. Three threes from Luke, 15 total points, including that three to give Duke the lead. And most importantly, one block from Derek Thornton, who I know obviously transferred out. Not the best relationship with him since... But that block was incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Can't deny that. Yeah, 100%. One of the best plays uh, that we had a recent Duke Carolina memory for, for Duke fans. Yeah. yeah. Huge play. I love Terry Thornton. I really mm-hmm. do. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of love for him just on that. And the fact that we were able to cook him when he came back with BC. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of hate in the horn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. You can't re- you can't forget that Matt Hurt single handedly outscored his whole team when he was a fifth year PG. <laughs> Tell us. But all right, I got a few more games. <laughs> February 9th, twenty eleven. Number five, Duke. Number twenty, Carolina. Also Cameron Indoor. Duke was losing pretty badly at halftime. So uh, Nolan Smith said, "I got this. I got this." And he had thirty four total points. Seth added twenty two. Singler had ten and eight rebounds. 79-73 win for Duke. It was the second biggest comeback after a halftime deficit under Coach K. At the time, it was the largest halftime uh, comeback under Coach K. And then we got two more games. No one's going to remember either of these. I'll bring, I'm going to bring this back. We're going to go 98, or no, I can count, 92 years in the past, 93 years. February 2nd, so today, 1929, Duke 36, UNC 20. No box score exists for this game. It's the first win Duke had over UNC after being renamed to Duke University. From Trinity. Yeah, yeah. from Trinity College. Then we're going to go back eight years and one week from that day to January 26, 1921. So 101 years and one week from today. Trinity College 25, Carolina 22. That's the first win we've, the Blue Devils ever had over North Carolina, regardless of the school's name. All right, well, if you guys are looking to go to the Carolina game this weekend on Friday, uh, tickets are as low as $311. So see if you can get a couple of new fans over there at the uh, Wine and Cheese Smith Center. If you want to go to Cameron with uh, AC, those go, uh, you can get two tickets right now, uh, you know, Row N, Level Center 16, uh, for 75000 each. All right. Bro, so, yeah, I'd have to sell my car. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to the final uh, after the show here. Next play, Duke Carolina, 6 p.m. Saturday night. I just want to say this right now. AC, if we lose this game, mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to come down to North Carolina, mm-hmm. take all electrical appliances out of my place, Mm-hmm. Make sure you pad the walls, you know, so that I don't do anything stupid. Yep. Um, give me a prediction on how this game goes and give me a score. T- typical game, typical Carolina Duke game. Carolina is good enough to test us. No lead is going to be safe in this game. And, you know, it could very well come down to a last-second shot. I think that we are still more talented and talented enough. I don't know if Dawson Garcia is going to be back for them yet. We have enough depth. We have the talent to make sure that we can put this game away. So I think it'll be close until we kind of get to those final final couple of minutes. I think we can pull away at the end of this game. I'm going to give it to us. First game back in the 80s in scoring. I'm going to give it to us 82, Carolina 77. All right, five-point game, Jack. What do you got? I'm nervous. I already got 20 poems on it. It's the Carolina game. It's always close. I'm not going to yeah. try to act like it isn't. I think that... I think it's going to be a really good game. I think that as long as the three-point line is properly defended, I think it's going to be like – I think Duke's going to be able to pull away late, just like AC set up. My my scoring prediction is 83 to 78, actually. So pretty close. Wow. Pretty close. Pretty, you guys are pretty close. I am a little bit nervous. You know, after watching how sloppy we were against Notre Dame, uh, I, I wanted to see us against Louisville. You know, when we got out to that big lead, just take the crowd out of the game. And just put it away. It kind of reminded me of that 
that that Tatum year where we never understood how to put teams away. And that's what kind of scares me in this game. If you let the crowd hang around, if you let them get into the game, if you let Carolina see a couple of buckets you'll win early um, or when they're down and they're kind of melting a little bit of a comeback, that's what scares me with this team is that they don't know how to put teams away. So coming into this game, yeah, AC hungry. I think both teams actually get into the 80s in this one. Do I think Carolina wins this game 83-81? No, I don't. I think that Duke is going to win this game 85-82. I do think it comes down to the last two minutes. And then you're going to see a big three from A.J. Smith with about 47 seconds to go to put us up five. They get a bucket. We hit a couple free throws. Jeremy Roach, big redemption game. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Yes, go, sir. Duke. go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Go Duke. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Let's go Duke. <laughs>